It's the spooky season, Reed. Halloween's right around the corner. Are you dressing up this year? I'll be honest. I don't know that I've given it a whole lot of thought. I think I have been Spider-Man at one point, maybe. Not in my adult life, but I'm trying to remember back. It seems like, do you remember the Halloween costumes where it was just like, basically almost like a trash bag material costume with like a half plastic, like a rubber band kind of face thing. You know, I love those when I was growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was about all there was, realistically. Did you know that the top costume around Nashville, Tennessee this year is Dinosaur? Why? Like, uh, where is that a, where does that come from? Uh, maybe I'll be an extra from Jurassic Park and just go as myself. So, Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to episode number 302-302 of Touchpoint. It's Chris Boyer. I'm Reed Smith. Hey, Reed. I'm over here uh, trying to refasten that elastic tie around my old Luke Skywalker mask when I was a kid. Yeah, it's just like a really weak rubber band is basically yeah. what it is. It's like stapled on each. That's side. right. That's right. Half the time it just pulls out of one of the staples. Yeah, exactly. Still, all-time quintessential costume, right? That's right. That's right. Well, welcome one and all. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're listening to Touchpoint. Uh, that is Chris Boyer. I'm Reed Smith. The website is touchpoint.health. I know we're, well, 300 plus episodes in now, but if this is your first time joining us, welcome. If you're a repeat listener, welcome back. I uh, do want to give a quick plug again for the website, touchpoint.health. Touchpoint.health is where you can go to learn more about the show, the episode you're listening to, the topics we cover, as well as sign up for the TPS report. What is the TPS report, you ask? It is a weekly email, comes out Monday mornings, five articles to start your week, Go over to the website. You'll see it listed at the top in the navigation, name, email address, and you can start receiving that email. And I promise you that's all we do with it. We won't flood your inbox, ask you to do a whole bunch of stuff. Just hope we can provide a little bit of value to you to kick off the week. So we'll pause here for just one second. Touchpoint.health. Give you a second to run over there, sign up, and then we'll be back with today's show. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint. 
where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. Today, Reed, we're going to talk again about technology slash strategy that is often misunderstood in our space, and that is that of a CRM. As we're starting to see a lot of organizations or, or technology companies kind of try to define themselves as being not a CRM in this space, would you agree? Yeah. And I think, too, are we saying CRM as a piece of technology or CRM as a philosophy? or a method or a process or whatever. Right. Right. I think that's where you get into the like, and two, I will say, I think there's been somewhat of a negative connotation with CRM in the hospital world uh, because there were and are some very specific vendors in the space that people maybe have had good experiences, bad experiences, whatever, but, but was not exactly what they, maybe what they thought. I think as we have new entrants into the space, People are looking at a rebranding of sorts or kind of talking about uh, what they do in a little bit of a different fashion. Getting into this whole thing about is it a technology or a strategy is, you know, recently I was doing a presentation and I mentioned that as organizations, we really need to move patients into our first party data strategy. And I kind of outlined that our CRM is a good place to kind of get people to opt in so that we actually have permission. That could be the start of our first party data warehouse, so to speak, of customers. And someone said to me, but is a CRM a really a good patient engagement system? Is it a really good tool? I mean, and in her mind, she was thinking about CRM as just being a place where you send people emails to and from the the application. And that, again, kind of reemphasized the fact that people are really not quite understanding the ways that we can leverage these tools and the correct ways to leverage these tools. I think so. I know we'll get more into, you know, kind of what is CRM, but I do feel like we have focused now on this idea of engagement. Mm -hmm. And again, this kind of goes back to that conversation of like what we do, what, what do we do? (laughs) Chris, what do we do? Yeah. Because it it is really, it's getting harder and harder to define where it starts and stops. We say this all the time, uh, probably at nauseum. This is a good example of that, because if you really start saying, okay, well, CRM is a way that we're capturing information and storing information that that provides some sort of preferential way that we engage or reach out to or connect with uh, the consumer, mm-hmm. then I can make the argument that we have a whole bunch of CRMs here. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what I mean? Like, if you think about everywhere that you know we're capturing information and storing that information... I'm not saying it's like a good CRM necessarily, but I mean, there's stuff in HR with our internal folks, our internal stakeholders and their, and you know, how we connect with them. And there's a variety, you mentioned email, surely there's a variety of email tools floating around the organization that, you know, store some sort of list. And I think you're kind of hitting at the point here around is CRM part of that larger patient engagement system, so to speak. Let's do this, Reed. Before we get kind of go down that path, I think we have to define this concept of a patient engagement system. I'm fearing that this is another three letter acronym that uh-huh. we're going to we're going to adopt, right? The PES. But uh, we found a great article that's called "Everything You Should Know About Patient Engagement in 2022." 
It was written by a patient engagement consulting firm. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Why don't you and I kind of go through some of the points that bring up here, because it helps to clarify what a patient engagement system could potentially be. So they talk about it as the interaction of patients with their health uh, healthcare providers. That's a lot. That's a lot, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> interaction of patients with their healthcare providers. So uh, patient engagement in healthcare, they say, can be applied to any healthcare setting, such as emergency room visits, inpatient care, outpatient care, so forth and so on. Patient engagement systems become an essential pillar. An essential pillar. It's kind of an interesting word, I think, for promoting good health. When a patient feels involved in their treatment, they are more likely to become proactive in their health management and actively participate in managing their conditions. So that's a lot. That's a different conversation um, and talk track than us proactively sending you a message, whether that be via email or, or otherwise. Yeah. And that sounds a little different than what a CRM could be. So that's kind of interesting as we think about, you know, the role of CRM in this concept of a patient engagement system. There are a lot of technologies, obviously portals and chatbots and online appointment schedule. There's a lot of stuff involved in here, but let's first talk about some of the challenges of patient engagement in this day and age, because while we agree that patient engagement is important, there are still some things that are kind of inhibitors to us using technology to solve the patient engagement system problem. The article kind of outlines a couple of the common barriers to patient engagement. The first one is communication. Whatever way that you're communicating with patients as a provider we have to communicate effectively. If we use you know, anything that can get in the way of our language, it could be language barriers, different types of language. Maybe they're native speakers in different types of languages. But even more so, when we talk about clear language communication, I would even extend that to, do they have access to an, like an, a patient portal? Do they have access to an email? Or is this the communication platform of choice? These are things that we have to consider as we think about you know, one of those barriers around engagement. What's another one, Reid? Health literacy is the next on their list. Uh, they talk in here that recent data is showing that nearly one-third of American adults lack uh, efficient health literacy skills. In the absence of tools and information to seek the care they need, these patients are more prone to poor health outcomes. Mm. So again, in the lack of something to fill that void and left up to their own devices, I guess, uh, no pun intended, they're prone uh, for poor health outcomes. Patients, they say, with low health literacy may understand the need to take control, but they don't really uh, understand exactly how to do that. So again, it's not necessarily a motivation thing, right? Yeah, yeah, it's an understanding thing. Then there's social determinants of health. This this always is something that we have to keep in the back of our mind because this is a really big play in uh, accessibility to care. There may be some people that don't have access, regular access to a computer or even a phone. You know, although phones are becoming more and more ubiquitous, and those are related to social determinants of health. And if you're not aware of those, they can significantly obstruct this concept of health management and, and ultimately patient engagement. And then there's the one last important factor, Reed, right? Trust. If a patient does not have trust in their provider, you obviously know where that goes, right? The outcomes are not going to be ideal. You know, a lack of trust 
could, they say, be attributed to cultural competency or things that they, they can't control necessarily, right? Like where they live or you know access to care, some of those types of things. So kind of back to the social determinants of health piece. If you don't trust somebody, you don't trust the system that you're in or, or kind of the process, the chances that they're then going to do the things that they that you're asking them to do or need them to do to um, you know have good outcomes are, are lacking. Okay, so taking these factors into account, communication and language, health literacy, social determinants of health, and patient trust, let's assume that we've taken those into account when we start thinking about patient engagement software because you and I are in the software technology space. Let's talk briefly about patient engagement software, because they estimate by the year of 2025, the software industry itself in the U.S. alone will reach $19.3 billion in the healthcare space. And there are implementation of government laws to promote patient-centric facilities that are going to facilitate this growth. Okay, we're all encouraged to use digital. We all know that digital is now part of the way we communicate with people. But in addition, Reed, Accenture noted that when they asked patients how do they want to communicate, 60% of them indicated they want to utilize digital solutions to communicate with their healthcare providers. You know, that shows there's an opportunity for us in the healthcare setting to develop these solutions. I think so. And they call out several things here. There's the patient portal, and then there's several other things that they list. And so we can kind of rattle through those real quick. The role of the patient portal, they talk in here about it being designed to be kind of that single solution for digital interactions with care, appointments, lab results, communicating with the provider, et cetera. Obviously, we've seen some integrations with telehealth and virtual care options, even remote patient monitoring to some extent and chronic care management. They try to help and it tries to standardize kind of that operational component of caring for these patients. Obviously, the the portal is a big deal. And those that us, you know, we're, we're on Epic, but like, you know, Cerner, Allscripts, et cetera, there, there are several of them out there that are pretty common. But you can make the argument that maybe this is the CRM. And they talk about that in here about, you know, them trying to position themselves as the CRM of the future. They're trying to. But they're not the only solution. Unfortunately, sorry, patient portals. You're not the only kid on the block. There's other things that are out there. There's still a fair number of these online patient registration appointment scheduling tools that are out there. They could be third party. I know, you know, I know that the patient portals are looking to embrace that and adopt that. But even for new patients to schedule appointments with care, there's a fair number of third party solutions that are out there. You need to be able to schedule whether or not you have like a MyChart account or not. Yeah, yeah. And some of it may be user experience driven or whatever, but yeah, there, there's obviously a fair amount out there. You know, another one that kind of ties into that is is chat. You know, whether that's AI or live chat or kind of a combination, but a way for for consumers to connect, getting questions answered, you know, et cetera. There's also online payment tools, and many of those are still not integrated because, you know, quite frankly, we have different systems for those. But if you want to be the single source, you should be there to understand not only how to pay your bills, but how to manage any kind of billing questions that you have for yourself, for your family, whatever it may be. That is also an important component of this patient engagement system. There's other things they list in here, patient education systems. There's also call centers as a service, you know, kind of that technology. There's 
other uh, kind of remote patient monitoring solutions and chronic care management solutions, which goes back to that kind of social determinants of health piece a little bit as well. So there are some other programmatic pieces as we kind of think about this. Symptom checkers, HRAs. I mean, there's lots of engagement type mechanisms that are out there. Two-way texting solutions, et cetera. And then think about all the things in, in our and traditionally in the digital marketing suite, right? The websites and social media and other things like that. But what is the role of CRM and what is the role of a complementary solution called marketing automation? Let's do this, Reed. We'll take a break here. When we come back, let's you and I dive into the differences between CRM and marketing automation and start to map this out. Try to help once again to clarify why there are so many, still so many, so much confusion around the CRM space. We'll do that right after this pause. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Madsen of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. All right, what is CRM? What is marketing automation? What is all the other stuff? (laughs) (laughs) But I think those are the two that uh, I think most commonly either get lumped together are talked about in the same breath and, and I get, and I get it. Right. I mean, I think, you know, as we think about email specifically, that was some of the first kind of output that we saw from a personalized standpoint, drip marketing campaigns, things like that. And it was done off of, you know, uh, consumer data or personalization ish, you know, kind of methods And so I think we just kind of ended up down that path, right? But maybe let's talk a little bit about the differences between, and we've done this on previous episodes, but quickly, let's maybe go through the differences between CRM and marketing automation specifically. We found a great article that kind of breaks it down in a very succinct way. So that's why we're going to cover this and uh, talk a little bit about it. I think the ultimate distinction is understanding how each tool, CRM and marketing automation, can assist with addressing specific uh, segments of the customer journey and how it can ultimately work towards building those relationships with customers and even patients at various stages through that journey. There is this really great article that is linked to in the show notes called What is the Difference Between CRM and Marketing Automation? And they kind of have a chart that breaks down where CRM is and where marketing automation is. So Reed, why don't we go through this? Why don't we hit each point? Uh, do you want to wear the CRM hat or the marketing automation hat? Um, I'll do CRM. Okay. So why don't we go point by point? You tell us like as a CRM what you do, and then I'll be marketing automation. I'll tell you what, what I do. Sounds good. So first and foremost, CRM focuses on helping businesses with a sales pipeline, contact, and opportunity automation and management. Okay. As a marketing automation solution, though, that is more focused on automating marketing activities like communication management 
campaign management and customer segmentation. And let's make a little asterisk here, Reed. When we talk about like sales pipeline, we can also talk about like patient engagement, right? Because in our space, it's a little bit like that's kind of a little bit of the application here. So that's a kind of a differentiation. CRM does one thing. Marketing has a different role. What's another difference? A CRM primarily strives to create and grow relationships with existing as well as potential uh, consumers. Okay. Uh, Marketing automation, though, primarily strives to generate leads or potential customers through various different marketing or demand generation activities. One is kind of measuring relationships. The other one's kind of driving action. That's right. In addition, CRMs are focused on people in the middle or bottom of the funnel, marketing qualified leads or sales qualified leads, et cetera. I mean, obviously, this is across different industries, but but again, uh, focus on those people in the funnel. Whereas market animation has a different role in that overall funnel. They're focused on people in the top or middle of the funnel. Those are you know people that are maybe new to site visitors right. or email subscribers or people that have opted into things, people that are maybe not ready to take that action. That's the role where marketing automation kind of plays in with those people. Again, CRM, multiple departments use this information that's derived from, from a CRM, including sales and customer service departments. Whereas marketing automation is mostly used by marketing because it's mostly used for driving demand or even nurturing people through the journey, so to speak. Finally, another point, not maybe not finally, but kind of the last point we'll touch on, uh, CRM is really focused on giving you insights into how customers are engaged with you, enabling you to find kind of those areas for improvement. Whereas with marketing automation, these tools give you insights to how your marketing activities and initiatives are performing, enabling you to maybe optimize journeys. So CRM optimizes the customer's relationship with your organization. Marketing automation facilitates and relates to specific journeys they're taking as they're engaging with your organization. I think that helped me a lot to kind of clarify where the two play together. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, again, we, you know, we specifically, I think, have honed in on CRM because it just seemed like a good idea, right? And it's not a bad idea, but I think ultimately where we ended up in most cases was marketing automation, right? Right. Because again, I think we we ended up with a way to email people in most in most cases because again we were we were really focused on acquisition, and we thought CRM played a role there, and yeah. it, it it does it does, but yeah. in a kind of a different way. It's really about integrating CRM and marketing automation. Last piece of again in this article it talks about the benefits of of the two and and really you know where integration should be that there really is a, a true benefit to integrating CRM and marketing automation together. I don't quite honestly I'm not sure you can do CRM real well uh, today with without having that kind of out of the box. It's, it's a lot of times the first kind of deployment, if you will, of a CRM. But but one of the things they mentioned is tailored messaging. You know, certainly when you have a CRM and you have all these insights, 
doing marketing automation based off of those insights allows you to, you know, better target an audience, therefore better, you know, have a better message or personalized message for that audience. And a compliment to that, they say the CRM assistant transferring demographic information to marketing automation, and therefore it minimizes some of the manual aspects of that. The integration between the two, CRM can help you with like sort of the targeting and marketing automation can help you the execution of that targeting. Another one is faster response times. I think the whole point here is that you want to use marketing automation to uh, facilitate a faster nurturing or a faster uh, engagement. You can use this through you know different types of ratings of people through the different funnel of the marketing automation. But pulling both platforms together, you're going to be able to more easily identify the people that are most likely to convert, that's coming from your CRM and the activity of others that have converted before, and then you can use that knowledge to tailor your marketing outreach or your, your marketing automation outreach more effectively. So marketing automation, you, you're using that to optimize the journey, but you're using ultimately the source data from CRM to kind of support that. Past that, you also get into things like uh, eliminating duplicates. I know that sounds kind of elementary, but having a platform that has all of these insights and centralized data, you know, allows you to make sure that you've got, you know, a single source of truth, if you will. Again, you mentioned there's like multiple databases across an organization. This yeah. is, these are two databases you want to make sure they're consistent. Ultimately, what we're talking about is integrating these systems to strategically enable your marketing and communications function within your organization so that you can, you know, identify, implement, and improve the way you're communicating with people and you're marketing with prospects within your overall CRM marketing automation here. But it still begs the question, Reed, of what is that role of CRM and marketing automation as part of the patient engagement solution? What do you think? Do you, I, I, I think it's, it needs to be there, but what, do you, what is your thought on this? I mean, I think the patient engagement solution is a much broader umbrella or kind of definition in my mind than just saying CRM or marketing automation. I think CRM, the functionality of CRM and marketing automation becomes part of the ecosystem of a patient engagement solution or helps power that. Because again, it goes back to all of those touch points, whether it's chat or scheduling or on-demand video visits and kind of the telehealth options, remote patient monitoring, some of the social determinants of health programmatic aspects that maybe we have, HRAs, symptom checkers, et cetera, are all kind of part of this patient engagement solution mm-hmm. that, that stretches outside of, of just marketing communication. So again, I think CRM helps uh, drive ultimately the actions uh, with it potentially. Yeah, and, and and manages all those interactions, right? If I'm, I'm a visual guy, you know, I think about it as like a true CRM would be at the center of all of these touch points. That's right. You connect in your marketing automation to do kind of your nurturing and all of those things that we just talked about. You kind of also tie in your chatbots, your call center options, even your patient portal. It could be tied into this to a certain way. No wonder the EMR companies are getting into this space and wanting to be the CRM solution of the future. Because how do you not end up, I mean, I, I get it philosophically, right? Yeah. Whether or not they can deliver on it, it, that's a different conversation for a different day. But philosophically, I get it. Like we're having, we're engaging with consumers. Mm-hmm. Right? And how do you orchestrate all that 
if if it's not all in one place. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like you have physician sales and outreach, you have marketing communications, you've got, you know, the clinical operations component, you have finance from a revenue cycle standpoint. You've got, you know, a number of people, uh, even even HR, I would say, as we think about recruitment, you know, reaching out to you know, people in the market and stuff like that. We've got all these different people wanting to make contact with folks. How do you orchestrate that in a way that like you don't have some poor lady in a suburb getting six text messages a day? from you, from various people for various reasons. There's got to be a way to orchestrate all of this. And that's kind of where this kind of this overarching idea of patient engagement comes in. Which leads us really nicely to an interview. I sat down recently with Stephanie Petrazzi of Nuvans Health, and she and I talked about some of the challenges that she's facing within her organization around how to apply CRM the right way. I I will say that it's an ever-evolving journey of us within the digital marketing space, much like we've talked about before, we're starting to touch every aspect of the organization where our, our tools, and particularly CRM, has some sort of role there. We had a really good conversation about that. So let's take a pause here. And when we come back, we'll listen to the conversation I had with Stephanie. And then you and I will be back to close out the show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Ask the Experts section of our podcast. And today I am delighted to have a new voice on our podcast. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Chris. It's such a pleasure to be here speaking with you today. I'm Stephanie Petrazzi. I uh, work now at Nuvance Health as the Director of Digital Marketing. Nuvance Health is a health system in Western Connecticut and the Hudson Valley of New York. But I started out my career actually in the music industry because I studied post-production audio engineering in college at St. Lawrence University and then started in the music industry, moved to a digital agency where I really got to hone in on all of my web development, social media, email marketing skills, and then shifted into healthcare about seven years ago was looking for a little bit more of a company with a purpose and having a little bit more of a purpose in my own role in the marketing world. So super happy to landed where I did and I love uh, my job now. And as part of your role, your official title, I guess, is the Director of Digital Marketing at Nuvance Health. And as part of your role, I know you do a lot of things around SEO, SEM, social media, et cetera, but you also are involved in marketing CRM. Is that right? Yes. I partner with our director of growth marketing on our CRM. Um, she takes a lot of the day-to-day vendor management, and then we work together to kind of set strategy as well as like sharing best practices. But in my previous roles, um, that was one of the main parts of my job. And so we know 
CRM and specifically marketing CRM in hospitals and health systems have been going through a lot of changes and they are ever more important for us as organizations to adopt. Yet, the, the more we say that, the more we realize that most organizations kind of struggle with some of the limitations and considerations around adopting a good marketing CRM program. Do you agree with that assessment? I do agree. I think that a lot of it comes from just a lack of um, understanding or or a lack of knowledge. And really, it's up to us as the marketers to kind of share that wealth of knowledge and why it's also important for it to be included in not just marketing, but across all different parts of the organization. That last point that you just said is exactly what we want to talk about today, because that's the challenge that I I have faced in my many years of standing up marketing CRMs and working with them. It's a very useful tool. And after adoption within a marketing organization, you become very well uh, adept at understanding what they can do. But it really is impactful for many departments outside of our marketing communication suite. And helping understand how you can use marketing CRM and the tools and tactics outside of the marketing communications team is probably the hidden gem of CRM. Definitely. I think that's also one of the points that is the most important is like that post-marketing attribution that is just a real struggle to, you know, get that implemented and updated. And especially during COVID when everybody went remote um, in the healthcare world, like we lost some of that in-person ability to kind of just, you know, grab a teammate from a different division in the hallway, or maybe you run into people in a meeting, but now it's like, you have to be very purposeful in the conversations that you have with people since now they are so remote. And it's important also to just develop really great relationships across the system to be able to, have those conversations. When we start talking about this, uh, we're talking about adopting a good uh, strategy around this technology adoption. And every good strategy is really centered around the actual user or the, in this case, the customer. And since we're talking about customer relationship management, I think about customer journeys and how CRMs, when designed right, they're there to track the customer journey from beginning to end. In other industries, CRM is just CRM. It does that. But in our space, it seems that marketing CRM is just stood up to support a segment of the customer journey, not that end-to-end journey. Do you see that as well in your organization? A hundred percent. And I think that's one of the challenges that we face, right, as marketing leaders is how can we get it to go past that conversion point? So yes, we, you know, have the tracking set up so we can see um, Julie in Bethel, Connecticut saw our ad and she um, went down through the marketing funnel. But then what happened after? You know, when did she have her mammogram appointment? When did she have her follow-up appointment? Did she end up needing to have a surgery and what then is the ROI model that you can attribute to that? I think that's where it gets really tricky is like after you get out of marketing into that operation section is how can we really partner with people across our system to ensure we have that level of tracking. And also like from a legal perspective, is that even okay? Or is that in violation of HIPAA? Cause that's the question I ask myself. <laughs> Right. All the time, right? Because we are very sensitive of using these tools to track specifically all the way through to see effectiveness of what we're doing because of the concerns we have around patient privacy. Part of it is, is we have to be transparent to our customers in general to say what we're doing in terms of how we're tracking. And I think that becomes very 
nuanced, I would say, to say that, yes, we are tracking, but the whole reason why we're tracking is to understand how effective we're being. Because I think it's exactly what you said. It's really just to make sure that the patients are having the best experience that they can have throughout the entire health system. And I think that there is there should be like a sense of ownership around that for not just the marketing folks, but all across, like from IT to operations to facilities. And I think we look at patient experience sometimes in a siloed way, um, not necessarily at the organization that I'm in now, but I think universally this might be true. And then how can you really like just take a big step back and look at it from a bird's eye view and think about this patient experience and how can you build that really great template almost of like, this is, these are the best practices and like these, this, time to completion is like how things should be done. It should be expected that if you raise your hand and you say, I, I would like to get X screening, that you are receiving that X screening within an appropriate amount of time. Well, you're kind of hitting at one of the core challenges, I would say, with adopting a good marketing CRM strategy within healthcare systems is that as we look at that end-to-end experience with patients, There are many people that own different segments of that. We may own the the initial front end of that journey. They come in through our website or social media or what have you, and they may opt in to do something, you know, sign up for a seminar or overtly just say, I want to, I want to, you know, appointment, I want to get a screening or something like that. But at that point in time, different members of our organization kind of take over that segment of the journey. We have operations, for example, that take over the clinical aspects of like trying to bring them in, making sure that they make the appointment, they get their insurance information, get them all the information they need. That's handled in a different system. And then maybe even post that procedure, they may have patient education materials, and that's a different role. I think that that siloing of the customer journey is one of the challenges. Yes, I agree. And I think it's one of the challenges. Well, that is actually the most challenging is because you have all of these different systems and like, how can you really get them all to talk to each other? That's like the real struggle, right? Because it's the systems that need to have those relationships. And if there was one beautiful integrated system, that would be like the dream, right? (laughs) <laughs> well, if you ever create it, right, I'm sure you'd make a lot of money. But that's right. I think that's what a lot of organizations are, are trying to accomplish. But technology is one thing. It's really about those different departments. Let's talk a little bit about that, about building consensus across these departments. Right? In my experience, working with IT, working with operations, working even with patient education, they all have a different kind of perspective about the customer journey and what's appropriate for them. Share a little bit your perspective on how you've started to approach that and on how to try to build more consensus. Yeah, I think one of the things that we are doing in advance is that we've created um, a really great IT marketing governance committee where we have core folks in IT, core folks in marketing, and we come together to really solution around these problems that that we have arise. it may be related to CRM. It may be related to other like campaign tracking type things, but there are multiple things as marketing and technology become more and more blurred. There's so much of a need for us to work really closely and agilely together. This group was created um, by a colleague of mine, Linda Funhorst, who is in our IT department, as well as my boss, Kristen Vick. So joining that governance committee was really instrumental to kind of starting to kick off the conversation of how to get this stuff figured out. And it's uncovered a lot of additional opportunities for us to work together. And it's just 
become a really great place for us to start having these conversations and start just like I mentioned before, you know, solutioning around how we can fix some of these things. And I could imagine those conversations are really robust because you're talking about now the actual customer journey. They're going to come in through here. They're going to be navigating through these systems. Uh, do you go into like, how do we how do we measure consistently across multiple platforms and things like that? Yeah. So I think, you know, that's where we're aiming to go. <laughs> we're still kind of, I think, in the early, early stages of our governance. But the first thing that we are working through is really mapping all of those communication and patient touch points, like throughout the patient journey. And that's not just the marketing patient journey. That's afterwards, too, like once they're in the hospital or once they have an appointment and then what happens afterwards, because there are different communication tools as well that are being utilized by other departments. Like we, you know, sometimes practices will send out, you know, a text message or what does that look like? How does that read? And how can we really also from a brand perspective, like take ownership of all of that and really collaborate effectively with those teams to make sure that our messaging is consistent. So really taking that first step to map that process and then going forward, figure out how to optimize it. And also then how can we create consolidated tracking and reporting against, you know, all of these different communications that are going out. You know, I bet that exercise of just identifying and kind of mapping those out is pretty eye-opening because I, I, I suspect in many organizations that we're communicating with patients, potentially the same patient in multiple different ways with multiple different systems throughout one episodic care experience. It's almost like you have to do it for every different type of journey. I remember, you know, like way back in when we were communicating about vaccines and vaccine availability in our health system back in, you know, early 2021, we did a lot of that kind of mapping exercise too, of who's communicating with the patients about their care, uh, what is the patient portal, you know, are, are we sending off emails from the practices or text messages, who are all those, and just kind of lining that all up and, you know, consistently to just get a good understanding of that. But what happened is we came to a point where we were like, okay, so who actually owns the overall theme and communications ac- across all the journeys. And that was an interesting eye-opening conversation because the at times the provider said they wanted to own that communication. At other times, uh, the people that are responsible for the patient portal say, well, we have to communicate a certain way. Where we landed to from a, a, from a consensus perspective is that while we each have a role to play, the governance, the oversight of the overall tone and theme should be driven from one organization, marketing and communications. I bet though that's the exception to the rule. Tell us a little bit about what you experience on your end. I think it's definitely a great exception to the rule (laughs) (laughs) from a brand management perspective. I mean, I think it would be lovely if, you know, marketing could set that strategy for all organizations. But I think it's also just like collaboration and being open. So one of the things we've identified is like sometimes practices will send out text messages about whether it's, um, you know, a new offering at a practice or maybe it's about a snowstorm that's incoming, you know, living in the Northeast. We have plenty of those. So how can we really like tailor the messaging so that we're we're making sure we're communicating in the most effective and what's the cadence of those two. So it's just been a, a trial and error, just kind of like developing these relationships with the folks who oversee that. And I think we're really in the infancy of trying to understand the whole picture of the communication and who owns what, but I love that you have an example to share. I think you brought up something very interesting though, Stephanie, you talked about cadence 
And that's the thing that people have different perspectives on cadence, right? I think that providers and clinical providers, and I'm not trying to disparage them in any way, but I think clinical providers have a perspective of every communication that we send them is very important. And so we cannot communicate with our patients enough. Yet you and I as marketers, we have a different perspective that you can inundate people with information and having those kinds of conversations become a very interesting dialogue to have. When you brought up your example of the patient journey mapping as it relates to COVID, people really wanted to have really frequent and like high touch com- communication points across all different channels. Like they wanted to hear from you via text about vaccines or whatever the updates of your visitation policy were. And we were producing those real time updates like very quickly and very agilely. It kind of created a little bit of an issue because we went out of COVID and then was anyone ever like, okay, well, we need to kind of revert back to a normal communications policy that's, you know, tracking X, Y, and Z over this amount of time of what we're sending to people and where, because during the COVID time, which was for two years, people wanted to hear from us that frequently, but is that the norm? I don't, I don't think so. Right, exactly. And, you know, the CRM, marketing CRM is designed to actually start to track that at a much broader level to sort of inform that. In effect, if we adopt a really good marketing CRM program, it could become now the way we actually respond back to the organization as this is what the voice of the customer is asking, or this is the behavior of the customer's. And that can, in in turn, effectively inform how they're approaching future communications. Another example that one is always kind of a bit of a rub for me is around uh, communication through the patient portal. There is protected communications you have to do within the patient portal, but is there a way that marketing can influence the way that communication occurs, maybe in the in the tone, in the frequency, in the way that email even shows up in your inbox? Have you have you gone down that path too? I have gone down that path. I am <laughs> right there with you. <laughs> um, I think this is something you know, at every company that I've worked for, this has been one of the biggest pain points is like what happens in the patient portal and how can we help make it a better experience? It's a tough thing to track because you have all different types of patient portal vendors. Like sometimes it's earned owned internally, sometimes it's owned externally, you know, sometimes you're working with vendors and you have to run all your communications through them. And then sometimes you have really great instances where you have really engaged doctors who are, you know, proactively reaching out to their patients about maybe their test results came back and they're letting their patient know, like, hey, everything looks good. Or then you have people who you might have patients who send a message through the patient portal and don't receive a, a message back. So it's like from a brand perspective, yes, like how can you really like wrangle that that beast? And that's really the goal of brand, right? And what we're trying to accomplish is develop that that overarching patient first kind of communication. And I think this is really reflects into the the overall challenges of internal understanding and adoption of marketing CRM. But I wanted to really briefly kind of pivot a little bit because we're also seeing, Stephanie, marketing technology is changing and CRM companies are starting to change a little bit. What are your thoughts on that? I don't really know where it stands at this point, to be totally frank with you. I think one of the things that we're seeing is all of our, you know, marketing CRM vendors that are healthcare specific are, you know, going through these different consolidation processes where, you know, they're getting chopped up and sold off. 
I like to always compare like what's happening in healthcare to other industries. And you brought it up at the beginning of this interview is like in other industries, they've really got this figured out. Like, you know, end to end what's happening from us. Think of it as almost like a sales cycle, but how can we kind of mirror that? And is there a company out there that's working to build that solution. I think what's really great about some of the legacy CR, healthcare CRM vendors is that they do have that like wealth of data that maybe some of the other CRM tools that you might use in other industries wouldn't have. I fear they may be evolving to become more of a customer data platform, which is a little bit different, right? Because I think we're all faced with trying to develop our own first-party data sources. And a lot of our marketing CRM technologies, they feel that they could become sort of that central customer database, right, for our organization. But for me, Stephanie, I think the big the big fear is, is that when you're talking about the true customer data source for a health system, I'm not sure that sits in the marketing suite. I actually think that's more of an operational solution that needs to be developed, like an enterprise-wide CRM, if you will. How other industries do it is they don't adopt a marketing CRM, they adopt a CRM for their organization. And we kind of came into it a little bit differently. And I think that's our biggest challenge here. And that's where it's like, how can we, like, how can we build that? And that's where we see like other, like the larger enterprise CRM companies now starting to make a play within our space. And that, you know, it could be third party companies. It could be even our EMR vendors that are saying, hey, why don't we become the source of truth? And this is going to cause a little bit of a, a stir around exactly who is going to be our true ultimate source of customer data. I think ultimately, though, we have to say this is our end game here. Right, we're not creating a marketing CRM and an operational CRM and a and a and an EMR CRM. We need to think about what is our future state for our organizations because the world is demanding that of us. Yeah, and on to that effect, like since you are um, probably one of the leaders in the industry, like have you figured that out? Like, do you have a great solution that you can share? <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, I run a podcast. I don't. I, I would probably be a millionaire if I figured that out. I think that the trick, though, is is it along like much like what you're doing at your organization, right? Is that you? We start to build slowly that momentum inside, start to pull those teams together to actually get towards establishing what that vision may be. And, you know, in the short term, we may have multiple tools that solve that end-to-end communication with our patients. In the very least, if we're aligned and we're working together, I think that's going to solve, you know, the future state. I would agree. And I think it's important to, one of the things that is a real struggle is just getting those different systems to talk to each other. Like you mentioned, having ownership of data, like as the organization. So like from the marketing perspective, like what can we do to really help bridge that gap between the IT folks, the operations folks, the marketing folks, and beyond, even with clinical too, to just really like wrangle it all together and have one comprehensive view of what's happening from end to end on the patient journey and have those systems be able to talk to each other because all different departments have like 27 different vendors that they're working with. And then, you know, we can in marketing get our vendors to talk to each other, but how do we plug that into, you know, our EMR? How do we plug that into all the different great things they're working on in operations and IT as well. Yeah, I agree 100%. Stephanie, this has been a great conversation. I could talk to you about this for a very long time. I appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your insights and perspective. If people want to reach out to you, what's a good way for them to, to connect with you online? Yeah, you can just connect with me on LinkedIn, Stephanie Petrazzi. 
I think I'm the only one. That very well may be, but we'll put that link in the show notes. And I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show and spending a little bit of time. Thanks so much for having me. And um, I really appreciate it. And yes, if anyone has any tips or tricks, we would love to hear them. Awesome. Thank you again, Stephanie. Thank you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Special thanks to Stephanie for coming on the show. Certainly appreciate her time and energy and efforts and insights and all that kind of fun stuff and sharing her knowledge with uh, with all of you and with us. So I uh, really appreciate her coming on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, this is an interesting topic, and, and I look forward to talking more about it. I feel like I'm just in the middle of this, Chris, kind of like you are uh, mm-hmm. on a basis mm-hmm. and trying to kind of sort and figure this out. I think the idea of patient engagement is a very broad topic that I don't know there's any clear cut. Here's how to do that. <laughs> like here's the solution, you know, the silver bullet, if you will. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got some real strong opinions as we start talking about vendors and solutions and that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, and some of that comes from just experience uh, in the industry and, you know, having dealt with a number of different products and solutions and, so much of that, to be perfectly honest, and I'd be curious if you feel the same way, really depends on your organization. Yeah. Um, what, what, you know, how you're structured. I mean, we're scattered all over the country. You guys are kind of consolidated to one, maybe not one market, but kind of a geographical region, if you will. You know, then you got for-profit, not-for-profit, academic. Are you doing research? Not, you know, there's all kinds of varying, I guess, inputs here. So there's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all but uh, I'll be curious to see kind of where this space goes. Yeah, me too. You know, again, for those of you listening in, let's be part of the conversation. Let us know your thoughts, you know, help us learn from you. I'm sure you have some unique perspectives as well. All right. Quick plug again, website, touchpoint.health TPS report. Be sure to sign up for that. We've got, you know, even dates coming up for conferences and all that kind of fun stuff. So couple recommendations. What do you have uh, before we get out of here this week? Reed, I'm going to recommend something. It's not like a TV show or an app or something for everybody. I'm going to recommend something that's really unique for something I'm dealing with in my space right now. And for those of you listening in the digital marketing space, you might be wondering, you know, with all the changes around the legal aspects of collecting first party data and pixels and all that other fun stuff, I was looking for some guidance around best practices in the industry to kind of help inform. I'm having a lot of conversations with our legal compliance team. And I came across this website called termly.io. Termly is an all-in-one compliance solution for business. And basically what they do is they offer kind of an archive of best practices around writing legal policies, helping you with like uh, standard website privacy policies, everything that's compliant with US and EU privacy law coverage. 
and language that can be very useful as you're, you know, as you're getting into this conversation. Things like GTM consents and cookie consent and cookie management. And they have, a, I mean, it's it's designed for smaller companies, obviously. They have a lot of different things uh, available to them. And I found it to be really interesting. And one thing I really like about their platform is they actually have a cookie scanner. They can actually, you type in your URL and they can look at all the cookies that are implemented on your URL if you're not familiar with them. And it reports back and categorizes them in a way. It has all these different solutions, even to a cookie banner generator, you know, the little pop-up that you need to have. Oh, nice. It's really cool. I mean, it's very, very specific to meet a very specific need. But when I looked at this, I spent a lot of time on this because it really met a need that I had. And for those of you who are kind of interested in that, maybe wanting to do an audit, maybe even wanting to make some recommendations about how your current website privacy and cookie management policies are on your website, I strongly suggest going to termly.io, T-E-R-M-L-Y.io. That's my recommendation today. Nice. I like that. I'm going to have to spend a little bit of time with that and check it out. So that's, uh, I like that. That's cool. Very helpful. I am going to recommend something that is maybe as far opposite of that as humanly possible. I mean, it could be real cookies. I guess that could be the complete opposite. But anyway, I am actually recommending Jelly Cat. Oh. (laughs) Have you heard of Jelly Cat? No, I haven't. What is this? Jellycat.com, they make stuffed animals. My youngest, uh, actually my middle daughter, I think, has a couple of these. But my youngest could care less about dolls and that kind of stuff. She just really likes stuffed animals. And so this is her go-to. They're not terribly inexpensive. I mean, they're not like crazy expensive stuffed animals, but they're really, really well done. They're out of the UK. They're out of London. I think they got super, super popular when like William and Kate had one with one of their kids and it got photographed, you know, one of those deals or something, you know, some years ago. Mm-hmm. Companies mm-hmm. a little over 20 years old, I think, something like that. So they're not like crazy, crazy old. But man, I, you know, they have them in a lot of uh, kind of cool toy stores and boutiques and stuff like that. So you can probably find, you know, you can probably go to their website and find where they sell them kind of in your town, if you will. But man, they are the greatest uh, stuffed animals. My youngest uh, had saved up, and so she uh, ordered uh, another one. We couldn't find it locally, so we had to order it online. It got here from London yesterday. So, oh wow, small uh, miniature dachshund. So yeah, it's it's great. They have like actual animals, and then they have stuff that are more whimsical in nature, like you know, like an avocado or a tree or a plant or something like that. Or, or, or whatever. But anyway, they're really, really great uh, stuffed animals. So if anybody out there is looking for baby gifts or something for a little one, these are a great, a great option. I don't know why I'm recommending stuffed animals on our <laughs> Well, the baby gifts one is the one that kind of clued me in on that. So for those of you listening in, you know, if you want to send go. one my way, a little baby boy or mine appreciate that. No, I'm just kidding. They, it seems they also have like books and other things as well. This is a really interesting website. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, and it, the quality is super high and they're they're super soft. And anyway, it, they're, they're, they're uh, good little stuffed animals. Very cool. The breadth of recommendations on this uh, podcast <laughs> yeah. today, it right? It really is all over the map. <laughs> You know, from stuffed animals to tractors to uh, <laughs> shovel one time. I don't know. Anyway, so here we are. But um, 
Well, thanks everybody. We certainly appreciate you uh, tuning in for listening and really appreciate all the support. So for Chris Boyer, I am Reed Smith and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.